mutation mutations. Isn't that exciting? Two brand new ones. Got one in Southern California, one in Northern California. Ah, they're, <laughs> they're cute when they're little. Like the lame governor of that state is always saying, California leading the way. So yeah, into bankruptcy. Tell you about and that coming up later. Now nasty new COVID uh, variants. Although there's some good vaccine news. Um, I don't know. On it goes. What else are you going to say? Uh, do you want any more of the Golden Globes headlines? Not getting into the details. Just any. You have any interest in this? Best uh, table setting. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not I, that. I I kind of like you know best shows, best movies because it turns me on to something I might right. want to watch. But so, like the individual awards, no, no. not so much. Best no. TV series drama. So you're watching these on Netflix. We mentioned The Crown, Lovecraft Country, which I don't even know about. The Mandalorian, Ozark, and Ratched. Ratched. Um, best TV series comedy. The Golden Globes breaks it down in a way the Oscars don't. Emily in Paris. The Flight Attendant, which looks funny. The Great. S Creek, which it was its final season, so mm. it was great anyway. And Ted Lasso, which I've heard so many great things about. Ted Lasso is very funny. Yeah. Very good. Really? With, uh, what's his name? Sadokas from uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. Jason. It's an mm-hmm. American football coach goes over to coach a British soccer team. It's supposed to be hilarious huh. and have a great message. Seems and, like uh, an odd hire. I've heard people say you have watch it with your kids if you think they could handle the show because it's a, just huh. a great message for a variety of things. So, yeah, I'm going to want to check that one out. I read an Atlantic article uh, the other day. Well, you know what I have in front of me? Uh, this gal starts, the, the premise of the article is the pandemic has erased entire categories of friendship. But she starts with saying she's supposed to love Emily in Paris, and she thinks it's terrible. <laughs> Just terrible. Yeah, as opposed to Ted Like I, I see a lot of chatter about Emily in Paris, but there's pretty equal, ah, it's good, I hate it. Ted Lasso, I don't, find me a negative thing somebody has said about Ted Lasso. Cool. I haven't seen it yet. I'm definitely going to check that out. But she, these, this article about the pandemic, and, you know, I think everybody, everybody knows at this point, you don't even need to discuss it, that there's a, a there's like a haze of discouragement and and to, to that point i'm talking to my doctor yesterday and he said how you doing with this and that and everything like that and i said ah, you know same as everybody else he said um i have had people come in that have never had any mental issues any emotional anything ever in their lives never asked for drugs never brought it up ever mm-hmm. so many patients now you know turning to medication because it's having such an effect on so many people after so long. Right. And a lot of it, he said, uh, seems to fit in with this idea that we kind of felt like it was going to end at the end of 20. Just like you know, 2020. Oh, what could be more 2020 than that? Just a bad One year. One star. And, cannot recommend. Yeah, just a bad year. And it's, it'll be over. And then the vaccine yeah. and everything. And just it didn't. It's at, you know, January was the worst month ever of the pandemic. The worst month ever. Um. And it's and it's affecting people. It's affecting their brain chemistry. Yeah. Well, that's clear, and I've been trying to figure out why exactly. And, and we've talked about it a bit on the show. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that we used to do that are fun, people are not doing. I mean, that's reason enough. Well, the doctor actually went through kind of an example. He said when you have a threat, you know, obvious fight or flight um, or freeze, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Um, but you deal with that, and then it's over. But if there isn't, like, if the if if a bear jumps out, you do the fight, flight, or freeze. But if yeah. there, if there's a bear at the entrance to the cave, and you're I'm just, fighting the bear, by the way, I'm that kind of guy, and you're just hunkered down in the cave, <laughs> and you're wondering when the bear's going to attack. After yeah. a certain amount of time, you'll get to the 
I just don't care. I don't care for the bear attacks, doesn't attack. I just none I don't care anymore cuz right. your your brain can only stay at that level for so long. Then you watch the revenant and you think, "Yeah, I do care for a while. <laughs> just don't let the bear get on top." <laughs> just No, I hear you. You you can only stay in the this is a this is a crisis. We need to be in crisis, but you can only do that for so long. That's just the way we're built. Right. Right. And then different brain chemicals take over. It's really interesting. So there's that. There's the lack of fun things to do. Uh, I think a lot of us feel a lack of anything to look forward to. Yes. The big, exciting things we do. And the reason I really like this Atlantic article is she, she begins the the article talking about how she's a big uh, Georgia football fan. She's a Georgia uh, alumni. And uh, she is, un- sometimes unfortunately, she writes, a person who has spent a good chunk of her adult social life watching sports and bars both with my actual close friends and with 500 or so fellow travelers at the New York City bar that hosts expat University of Georgia alumni during college football season. I've done a lot of that sort of thing. It is very fun. Um, and, and she goes on, she leaps from that to talk about, uh, I thought frequently of other people I had missed without fully realizing it. Pretty good friends with whom I had mostly done things that were no longer possible, like trying new restaurants together. Coworkers I didn't know well, but chatted with in the communal kitchen. Right. Workers at the local coffee or sandwich shops who could no longer dawdle to chat. The depth and intensity of these relationships varied greatly, but these people were all, in some capacity, my friends, and there was also no substitute for them during the pandemic. Tools like Zoom and FaceTime, useful for maintaining closer relationships, couldn't recreate the ease of social serendipity or bring back the activities that bound us together. And then she goes into uh, various sociologists uh, and psychologists who've studied the phenomenon of the different levels of relationships you have in the world, but it hadn't really occurred to me. Yeah, my, my, my close family and, and some of my best friends, yeah, we're in touch, more or less, but there's that other layer that's just, like, gone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a factor. Sure. And for children? Oh, my God. Oh, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't even hardly think about it. You can't even hardly think about it. Uh, You know, getting back to the schools being closed and the teachers' unions and everything like that. You're taking little kids with their little kid brains and their little kid emotions, and they're not getting to interact with all their friends and teachers in person and all that sort of stuff. Needlessly. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah. and for no reason. Right. That that should not be left out of the conversation. For no reason. Other than your greed. Yeah. It's just, it's one of the worst things that's ever happened in this country. We've given the teachers' unions in Chicago a good kicking. L.A. is up next. They're a head greed, head liar. It said some stuff that just cannot be forgiven. Uh, That, and speaking of uh, Southern California liars, Maxine Waters, who uh, has gotten rich and her family's gotten rich through public service. We'll be talking about that. Quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, the best. Home security system you can have. Award-winning, 24-7 protection with an arsenal of cameras and sensors and the best professional monitors in the business. So it's the best on that level. And it's less expensive and less a pain in the butt than the traditional stuff. All kinds of less pain in the butt. Sign up easy. Get out easy. You set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. Like, we're going to tell you how to order it. It comes to your house and you set it up in 30 minutes. And then you got 24-7 protection with an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home. And it's easy to, like... um Turn on and off and all that sort of stuff, too. Yeah, it's no confusing codes and stuff like that. And right now, our listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. It's a 60-day risk-free trial, so there is nothing to lose. You get that free security camera if you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. And it's S-I-I-M-P-L-I, interestingly enough. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Here's a headline for you. Elon Musk could start implanting computer chips in human brains this year. 
If I see him coming at me, I'm running. I think he'll use volunteers. Oh, oh, okay. Is that what you think? Because that headline makes it sound like he's just going to, you know, do it himself. Leap out from behind a bush. He's got the chip. <laughs> I assume he just holds it onto your head and hits it with a hammer. It goes into your brain. Right. Yeah. Stop the hammering. Self-driving uh, screw or, you know, self, whatever they call it. Yeah, and then he says, you've been chipped and runs off. <laughs> In his delightful South Just African like a accent. camera show? Yeah, it's kind of like you've been punked. You've been chipped. But now you have a chip in your brain. From Elon Musk. <laughs> U.S. representative... Uh, you know what? I'm an idiot. I should ask for that Maxine Waters sound. The famous sound where she says, You get in our face! You tell them they're not welcome here! You create a scene! You threaten them! Make them afraid for their lives! I mean, she didn't say that, but that was the message. Sure. As the Democrats spent months and months and months whipping up political violence before they condemned it. But U.S. Rep. Maxine Waters, D. Califf, has cashed in more than a million dollars for her daughter through her campaign since 2003. This is how the scam works. You hire all your family members as campaign workers and consultants, directors of communication, whatever. Then you get huge campaign contributions, and you spread the cash around. You don't need to pocket it yourself, because everybody around you has the money, and then they buy you a house, for instance. Karen Waters received over $1.1 million for her services with her mother's campaigns. Uh, A quarter of a million came from the most recent election cycle. Uh, the daughter of the California Democrat organized slight mailing or- operations to bolster her mother's uh, re-election. It's, uh, it's an uncommon pro- practice in federal elections where a consulting firm is hired to create a pamphlet that contains a list of candidates or policy measures or advises uh, voters how to cast their ballot. Uh, Representative Waters was reportedly the only federal politician to use a slate mailer operation during the 2020 general election. And so weird she'd do it at all. She hired her daughter to do it, even though there are companies all over the place that can do a mail for you, and paid her a quarter million dollars to do it. A 2004. Remember PG&E, the electric company that has burnt down half the state of California, donated, what was it, a quarter of a million dollars to the governor's wife so she could make some sort of documentary. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that sort of stuff happens all the time. Sure it does. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, PG&E, uh, yeah, I just started this foundation. It'd be uh, really, really helpful if you were to kick in a few bucks. And let's not worry about that whole wildfire thing so much, huh? Please. It's naked. Um, a 2004 report by the L.A. Times found that various members of Waters' family, now this is, this is back in the day, this isn't the gal we were just talking about, had received over a million dollars during the previous eight years from 96 to 04 from businesses and campaigns relating to the congresswoman. The L.A. Times asked Waters about it, and keeping in mind she's been reelected eight more times since then. Jeez. They do their business and I do mine. We're not bad people. So that's how the scam works. The great Maxine Waters. I might be starting to get excited about Super Bowl commercials. Matthew McConaughey is supposed to have a great Super Bowl commercial. John Travolta dancing uh, the grease dance with his daughter. Eh, it sounds like it could be entertaining. You want that. And it should be a great game. It's still a three-point line on the game. So oh, yeah. Looking forward to all that. Uh, there are some new strains out in America, which is not good news, but there is some very good news on the vaccine front. We should at least hit you the, with the headlines on that, I suppose. I got my first COVID test yesterday. You did? Very excited. Oh, you got to tell us about that. I will. 
Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As the world waits for vaccines, the coronavirus is changing. We're in a race against the mutations, said a University of California, San Francisco epidemiologist. We've been saying that for quite some time. I, I wish the narrative in the media would catch on to that. Maybe there'd be more pressure to get the vaccine out. We are in a race with nature. we got to get the vaccine out before this mutates to uh, become a thing that the vaccines don't work on. We're in, we're in, a, we're in a bad spot if that happens. And it's- so far, so good, but... To even say that misunderstands the way viruses mutate. So far, so good with what? It's it's not like, it, well, it, the vaccines still recognize the protein and still well, yeah, g- yeah. give you some immunity for now. Yeah, it's a great theoretical argument if I had gotten the vaccine. That's the problem with that argument at here, all. Here, yeah. I mean, it can work on every mutation from here on out, but if we can't figure out in our society how to get it out to people, it doesn't really make any difference. And they do spread faster. So you got the UK version in, in Southern Florida and Southern California, but there are now two new strains in the West Coast, one in Southern California and one in Northern California. They don't have fancy names yet, just numbers. I'm going to read this, and I don't even know what it means. We're watching the West Coast variants, over a thousand total variants between these two slightly different mutations. Okay. That's, so what's that's a where variant you, and what's a mutation? Yeah, you've, gone, you'd have to be a... you've gone beyond my knowledge right there. Okay. But um, we got... Our only hope is to get people vaccinated before it mutates to something we can't even stop. For crying out loud, how is this not the most urgent thing in America? I know, I know. It's crazy. Manufacturing problems, distribution problems, organizational problems. It's just, it's terrible. It's just terrible. And and people want to put the government in charge of all of your medicine. How's the conversation about who gets it still even occurring? Uh with this race against nature happening. It, That's how crazy the woke are, for I one guess. thing. We'll be talking about that in terms of schools in a few minutes. One study from the College of London shows that who spreads the virus the most? Adults 20 to 49 are the biggest COVID spreaders. This is just one study, but it kind of makes sense. Those, that's, pro, that's the age that doesn't get sick. Doesn't and Over half of us don't get symptoms anyway. Mm-hmm. If they get them, they don't get very sick. They're out and about the most because they're still living lives and working and all that sort of thing, more than old people or children. They're less cautious because they're yep. less vulnerable. Yep. So 20 to 49 are the spreaders. So j- jail them. That's all I think. Preemptive jailings. How old are you? Exactly. Check their ID. Hitler's toilet is expected to fetch up to $15,000 at auction. Stay tuned. Plus uh, Tampa's strip club king preps for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Hitler and strippers coming up. And the wokest school in America. Cheat. Oh, boy. In the wokest school district in America. We've got that coming up for you. So you got a COVID test, you said. Tell us about it. How oh, did it yeah. Happen? Yeah. Well, I'm going to see my mom and dad. Uh, my mom is not doing well uh, health-wise. Um, and that's an understatement. Uh, we're not sure how long she's going to be around. Um, it's just difficult to say. Uh, and so I'm going to zoom on, uh, jump on a plane and, and head to the Phoenix area where they live. And uh, I decided, you know, what the heck, just to reassure them so my dad's not worried, because he's been pretty worried uh, through the whole COVID thing. They're both 80, by the way. Um, I, I went ahead and got a test, 
and it was uh, it was very ticklish. It was not the clear up to your brain swab. Mm. It was the kind of far up swab, which was merely incredibly ticklish. They said the one that really hurts is the best, but I don't, I don't yeah, know the trade off. This was not the uh, the super great. Um, uh, most accurate one. It does really good in identifying positives. And do you, how fast do you get the results back on that one? It's two hours. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you have it? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm here. Um, no, it was it was fine. It was it cost me 150 bucks. Really? Yeah. Out of pocket. Yeah. Insurance doesn't cover that. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> There's if I were problem, coughing I up a lung, had a fever of 117, and couldn't drag myself to the doctor, then they pay for it. I think. So part of the testing problem in the country, which is the best way to figure out where the COVID is and, and stop it, that and the vaccine. Yeah. I can people, spend $150. Yeah. A lot of people cannot. Not just for the heck of it. Not to reassure their, their older parents. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I got a little email that says negative. Um, yeah. This, it's I just printed that out and pinned it to my shirt. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Look at me. I'm negative. Run through crowds breathing heavily. Yeah. For now, although then I'd probably get it from somebody who's asymptomatic. Oh, right. Yeah. Eh, What are you going to do? What are you? No, seriously, government, what are you going to do? Why haven't you done it yet? Yeah. Uh, The wokest school district with the wokest school in America. This could be coming to your neighborhood. Armstrong and Getty. Would you consider playing beyond 45, especially with the way you're playing right now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would definitely consider that. Tom Brady saying he's going to consider playing until 45. That's not much of a question and not much of an answer. That's not. I was hoping for more. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> would you consider playing till 45? Yeah. Are they if paying I'm, the checks? If I'm feeling okay, sure. I, uh, so I, I like my job, so yeah. So I believe he is 43 years yeah, old now. Yeah. Uh, Pat Mahomes' father is 50. That's something. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Tom Brady, if you're not a football fan, you're thinking, wow, a man of his age, that's unusual. He almost never gets hit. They've designed you know, his last two teams an offense where he gets the ball out so quickly, he almost never gets tackled. So Pat Mahomes' father was rooting for Tom Brady in Super Bowls when his kid was two? Something like that, yeah. And obviously you wouldn't even have in the back of your mind the possibility as you're bouncing your two-year-old on your knee trying to watch the Super Bowl right? that that kid is going to play against that guy in the Super Bowl someday. I mean, it would just you'd say, how would that happen? Right. F- finish your carrots, son. You're going to have to be strong to compete with this guy. <laughs> what a hilarious the same guy. thought. <laughs> what a hilarious thought. Yeah, yeah. Um... So the wokest school district in America, at least in the running for it, is the San Francisco uh, uh, Bay Area with their whole picking Washington and linking off the schools and all that sort of Specifically stuff. Specifically the San Francisco school district, yeah. Right. Um, and so they got Lowell High School in the Bay Area, which is one of the most prestigious high schools in America in that it's uh, really hard to get into. It's supposed to be the smartest of the smart, and uh, and that's what it has always been. But there's a real effort now to change that. And uh, and 
feelings that that's uh, not right to uh, to to have some sort of test where people who score the highest get into the school. That's a bad idea. And this is uh, you're about to hear from the commissioner of the school, Allison Collins, who says that merit is racist and um, and not fair. This is how it goes. When we talk about merit, meritocracy, and especially meritocracy based on standardized testing, I'm just going to say it. In this day and age, we cannot mince words. It Those are racist systems. Well, if you're going to say that merit, you know, is like fair, it's it's the antithesis of fair and it's the antithesis of just. And so, you know, you can't use equity or you can't, you know, talk about social justice and then say that you want to have a selective school that keeps certain kids out from the neighborhoods that you think are dangerous. Like that's all kind of Trumpian language. And in San Francisco, I'm proud to be a member of this board and I'm proud of our families and our student leaders. And I'm, you know, I don't think we should be shy about naming those things. So, wow, there's a lot to (laughs) to unpack there, as they say. Yes. Now, she's wrong broadly, completely wrong. Then she throws in a, from the neighborhoods you think are too dangerous. Well, wait a minute. Where the hell did that come from? Right, right. Um, I, I didn't come from a dangerous neighborhood. I wouldn't have qualified for the school um, and, because I'm not smart enough. Well, right. And and does that apply to the track team and the drama club or a football team or whatever as well? Every human endeavor? Because academics are certainly not the only human endeavor worth, you know, endeavoring <laughs> well james Lindsay tweeted nice. out james Lindsay tweeted out on that theme i would like the new nba requirement to be how bad the person wants to play basketball for millions of dollars anyone seen assessing how good the person is at basketball should be fired at once for being a nazi sympathizer and crushing dreams i want to play basketball so bad <laughs> yeah yeah well, I, I heard an argument for not opening the schools was, don't claim to me the teachers aren't working. They're working twice as hard and twice as long with this remote learning. Okay, great. Who cares? It's not working, and the schools are safe. Quit introducing crap into the argument. So is that chick so far out there ideologically she doesn't understand the illogic of what she's saying? Or is she one of those people... Who just is a Marxist and knows you have to force it down people's no, I throats? Don't think, and... I don't think she's that. I think she believes it. I think she wow. absolutely believes it. Wow. Uh, what What's interesting is I, what, I don't understand how you get from point A to point B on that makes the world better. Um, I understand your your point A part of well, it'd be more fair if you had a whole bunch of other people that could get into the school. And I don't know what your criteria is going to be if it's not on who gets the best grades or is the smartest or whatever quotas um but are you going to end up at the end point b on this are you going to end up with what a school like that is designed for churning out the best of the best are you going to end up with that no no absolutely not no so do you just think that doesn't matter then Uh, in a society to try to identify who the best are i just think they i think she might be sincere in wanting to lift up underprivileged children, or use whatever terms you want. Um, I just think people like that are so wrong about the outcomes. They so ignore every single bit of data on this stuff about 
lowering the bar and the, uh, what do they call it, the soft depression of low expectations. So instead of saying, what do we have to do so that kids from predominantly black neighborhoods are qualifying for this school at the same rate as any other neighborhood, what needs to be done? Well, predominantly black American neighborhoods, because we know there's data to back this up, if you're black and you come from a number of countries around the world. Dozens you, of different countries. Yeah. You do way better than the average white kid or, or, or anybody really in America. Right. Or the average native born black kid or whatever. Yeah. So turns out this might be a shock to people. It's got nothing to do with your skin color. Yeah. It yeah. was, uh, so instead of going into those neighborhoods and saying, how do we get kids qualified for this school? You say, just blow up the school. Well, and then, and That's then, how to lift people up. Well, well, so she states at the beginning that merit based is, uh, is racist. Yeah. Flat out. Yeah. And then she ties it into Trump somehow in the end, which is a nice little uh Just to claim maneuver. that meritocracy is legitimate. It's very Trumpian. It's hate speech. It's white supremacy. Yeah. Because the whole system uh. was based on white supremacy. So anything that came from the system, as I often say, from slavery to the designated hitter to four sliced toasters are racist if I decide they're racist because they came from a racist system and racist country and if i remember right this school like most institutions is dominated by asians yes in terms of uh, achievement who are conveniently considered white for this argument which is crazy speaking of crazy so that you you almost could i mean at least she has an argument it's a terrible argument that will doom children underprivileged children to low expectations and crappy schools well we gotta have some places though we gotta have some places where you send the smartest kids for academics some place where you send the best musicians juilliard or berkeley or whatever to, to do you know you why forgot not? your clan hood the best science they just there should be some place where you send the best of the best to compete with each other why wouldn't you want that in a society listen to the white supremacy i, I feel like very important conversations get lost because of the rhetoric of idiots right i think if i'm understanding her point that that standardized testing is not the best or accurate indicator that we want it to be to find out who the best is. I think that's an interesting conversation. Totally that's not what, legitimate. But that's topic. not what she said. No, she said no, merit-based no, is racist. Her, because it is the rhetoric of an idiot having the important <laughs> conversation. Thanks. The R- old ROI. Thanks. Rhetoric of idiots. Thanks for ruining <laughs> the conversation. But again, so she kind of sort of had arguments. So even though they were idiotic and disproved by... All of, of American history, certainly various welfare programs from the beginning. In the early 70s, they studied the effects of some of uh, LBJ's Great Society programs. And liberals at the time were screaming, we're having the opposite outcomes. We're having the opposite outcomes. Families are falling apart. We're seeing a decline in education. This is a disaster. But the ball was rolling and the dollars were flowing. And so they kept it up. But having said that, at least there are sort of arguments there. The whole renaming the schools thing and more was the topic of this editorial by Andrew Chamings, whose uh, work I do not know. Um, but this is in the liberal San Francisco Chironicle. Uh, he talks about, well, the San Francisco Unified School District's recent vote to rename the schools, blah, 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 and their flawed legacies was widely seen as an incompetent, embarrassing mess. Then he goes into it with some uh, detail. While it's widely seen as important and justified to push to remove the names of slave owners like Washington and other figures from schools, it was the rushed researching effort that was largely uh, seen as inept. 
full of avoidable errors. Again, he goes into a little bit of detail. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I read some of this uh, when they're talking about they're just like Wikipedia people and then find an ass sentence. Okay, he's out. I mean, it was right. like that fast. Not even reading to the bottom of the paragraph. Yeah. As if spending valuable time and a lot of money renaming a third of the schools in the district when every student is still stuck at home wasn't enough, some in the district have now taken the confounding stance that acronyms are a symptom of white supremacy culture and are working to remove them from buildings. An acronym is when you use the first letters of the words or something to make a new word. Some people misunderstand, like the FTC. FTC is not an acronym. NASA is an acronym. FUBAR is an acronym, right? Yeah, yeah. Not coincidentally. Uh, the district's art department has decided to change its name, VAPA, which stands for Visual and Performing Arts, and is nearly universally used as a term, to the FSUSD Arts Department. And Beca- that's better? Oh, wait. I'm Because? Stay with me. Because they say acronyms are a symptom of white supremacy culture. And we, we talked about this yesterday. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, it's about to get dumber. <laughs> we talked about this late in the show yesterday, and we we're like, what? You, you people are crazy. But we didn't have the explanation from Sam Bass, director of the SFUSD Arts Department, the new name. Sophisticated. Don't say that. The use of so many acronyms within the educational field often tends to alienate those who may not speak English to understand the acronym. Okay, gotcha. It's part of white supremacy culture. Gotcha. He says, so here I am. My folks came from Ireland. Maybe I speak nothing but but, uh, Irish. I mean, actual Irish. Not just... I sound like Bono with a delightful accent, but I speak the language and nothing but it. If I see VAPA, I will be utterly mystified. But if I see SFUSD Arts Department as someone who doesn't speak that language, I will know immediately what's happening. Come on. Come on. Well, how's that a white supremacy thing anyway? It's uh it might you could you can make the argument there that it's an English supremacy, but I'm fine with that. We live in America and it's our language. Right. So if if there's an advantage to being able to speak English with our acronyms, I'm fine. Why don't you learn to speak English? The inward looking self loathing of the American left will undo the country as for instance, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, China is marching across the globe utterly uncaring about any principle but power. And we're going to oppose that by what? Inviting them to an encounter group or or uh, or, or informing them that, you know, your uh, Chinese supremacism is really off-putting. We're going to defeat them that way or oppose yeah. them that way? It's just insane. Man, we are. Uh, we do have a soft underbelly. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, folks. There is an experiment. If they march too close to us, we'll detect them with our radar. Oh, wait, that's an acronym. Can't use that. Right? right. White supremacy! White supremacy! Ah, uh, where was I? Oh, there is an experiment being conducted on the western coast of the U.S. and a handful of other places. Keep your eyes on it. So far, hmm, disaster. And getting worse. More on China. Good-looking kids are more likely to do crimes. What? New study. Yeah, that's right, handsome. I'm watching you. <laughs> Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty.
Armstrong and Getty Show. It's interesting, in Great Britain, they've decided rather than holding back doses, you can get both doses. They've decided the first dose gives you like 70% of the immunity. So let's just get everybody the first dose. We'll worry about the second dose later. That makes perfectly good sense to me. Yeah, that seems to be the emerging consensus. Britain's doing the same thing all over the world. Well, that is what I was talking about. Yeah, Britain is doing that. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you? I don't know anybody in the United States. That's funny. I I heard something different. We need to do that in the United States. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out if we can make equity happen. Um, but that, uh, well, more on that on a different time. So I, I watched 60 Minutes on Sunday night. Their feature on China, I got to admit, I wasn't smart enough to understand. Tucker brought it up on his show, Tucker Carlson, last night. Here's a little bit of that 60 minute piece of, 60 minutes piece of what China is up to. This shows the nefarious mindset of the Communist Party of China to take advantage of a worldwide crisis like COVID. Bill Evanina suspects these lab offers are modern day Trojan horses. BGI comes to the U.S. bearing gifts, but harboring other motives. The labs are a way to establish a foothold to bring their equipment here, start mining your data, and set up shop in your neighborhood. In the last decade or so, you'll see that China has heavily invested through the purchase or acquisition of actual companies, access to our data. Question is, where is this data going? All roads lead to China. China's government understands that their future success hinges on accumulating large amounts of human DNA. So they've been working on this for decades, but particularly after the COVID hit, they offered to set up all kinds of labs across America to to help us out or something like that. But their real goal, according to 60 Minutes and a bunch of smart people who say, yes, is obviously what they're doing, is mining DNA because the future is being able to predict health. So they have they have all our DNA information. They'll be able they'll, they'll they'll know what our health problems are going to be before we even know what they're going to be. And then they combine that with our lifestyle information that they're getting from hacking all of our data. Yeah. Cuz they're, they're they're taking all that. So they'll know more about our projected health outcomes than we know. Somebody in China will. And then profit somehow. They're going to be the dominant force uh, you know, uh medically. Yeah, interesting. I'm sure that's insidious. Like Sound. you say, it. not exactly sure. I mean, uh, if China's doing it, you need to examine it very carefully and figure out what the end game is. Oh, I don't think the Chinese the government's world. up to anything that's good. No. I mean, there's things that are simply profit motive. Yeah, or um, might tangentially be good, but that's not the reason they did it. <laughs> right. Good for right. us, I mean. Yeah. The problem is, though, even if there's something completely innocent, if they were to say, you know, I made a reference to a four-slice toaster, if they were to say, you know, we've really improved toaster technology, so both sides of the bread are perfectly brown, and there's nothing else to that, the profit will be plowed into becoming the global superpower and the end of that is the subversion of uh, representative government, of freedom, of liberty for humankind. And it's really interesting. This is far too sprawling a discussion for the time we have, but we'll, we'll touch on a couple of uh, aspects of it. China is aggressively getting their vaccine out um, to third world countries that can't afford the Western world vaccines and saying for free and for nothing, but you owe us. It's the same way they invested in all sorts of infrastructure projects in the third world, um, knowing the country could never pay it back. The road and belt initiative? Or yeah, exactly. That 
And so you get them on the hook, and oh, your port went bankrupt because you couldn't make the payments that nobody thought you could. No problem. We'll run the port for you. We'll split the profits 80, us, 20, that, uh, you. And by the way, if you so much as argue with us, we will ruin your entire economy. And then I was looking at CNN Business, which isn't nearly as obnoxious as the regular CNN. Um, and they were talking about how China's actually done pretty well economically over the course of the past year, partly because of their brutal, brutal COVID crackdown that no other country on earth would, would even attempt to implement. Even if it saved lives, I mean, it, it cost a lot of lives and just utterly trampled on any sort of human rights. And they talk about how at the World Economic Forum, uh, on Monday, Chairman Xi was there and he essentially said, the world's economy, Runs through us. We're happy to trade with you. He announced a big giant deal with the European uh, community, the or the EU, um, and and said, "All right, uh, our markets are open to y'all." And, and so they are simultane they are simultaneously pursuing several different strategies which make the world dependent on China. And you might say, if you're not you know seasoned in these things, well, the U.S. has been doing the same thing for decades. Yeah, but we're trying to spread freedom. And they're trying to spread communism. And they're doing a really good job at it. And someday it's going to be a shooting war. Absolutely. They're going to close off all the shipping lanes in the South China Sea. And we either let them or we go to war over it. Right. And they they will fully intend to reopen them after they get what they can get. It's like the teachers' unions not opening the schools right now. It's not about opening the schools. Armstrong and Getty.